0: Welcome to Almost Famous, the podcast about fame with me, Barnaby Slater. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you haven't already, please do subscribe or follow the podcast and leave us a rating and comment in Apple Podcasts if that's where you're listening. Also, do give us a follow on Instagram, at Almost Famous the Podcast, and on Twitter, at Pod Almost Famous. In Series 5 of the show, I'm bringing you daily episodes called 15 Minutes of Fame, where I read out some of the most honest, controversial, and often downright funny stories that celebrities have ever told. In today's episode, actor Demi Moore describes what it was like having divorced Bruce Willis to meet a man not only 15 years younger than her, but who was also a Hollywood actor with his star on The Ascendancy, a man who would become her second husband, star of that 70s show, punk and many more, Ashton Kutcher. I was in New York doing advanced press for Charlie's Angels, which had been a completely different experience for me. Really physical, really female. Really fun. It was the spring of 2003, and I had just finished shooting the cover of Vogue with Mario Testino. My friend Sarah Foster called and asked if I wanted to have dinner with a bunch of her friends. She mentioned that Ashton Kutcher was going to be there, an actor who'd been on television for a while in that 70s show and whose star was on the rise. He had a surprise hit with a hidden camera show he'd created himself called Punk'd, and he was having a moment. He was in town to host Saturday Night Live that weekend. We all gathered in his hotel room at the start of the evening. He had just finished rehearsal and needed a quick shower. He was prancing around the suite in a towel when I excused myself to call my girls. I was out in the hallway telling them goodnight when the door opened and Ashton, now fully dressed, leaned out. He looked at me with a serious, almost shy look on his face. That's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard, he said, then quickly closed the door. In that moment he changed from a cute little player into someone deeply interesting. That night at dinner, it was like nobody else was there. He told me about growing up in the cornfields of Iowa. It was clear right away from the way he talked about his goals that he had a serious work ethic, a kind of small town belief in putting his nose to the grindstone. He was tall and floppy haired, and like me, he'd started out his career modelling. But I liked that his handsomeness had something sort of skewered about it. He'd broken his nose a bunch of times, and it gave his face a quirkiness. He was gregarious and warm and animated and I just felt so much sparkling joy in his company. When everyone else was ready to go home, we still weren't finished talking. I was staying at my apartment in the San Remo, which I got in the divorce from Bruce. I decided to sell it, so there was barely any furniture, just lots of space, three floors and stunning views of Central Park. I invited Ashton to come back there with me, and we stayed up the entire night, still talking, telling each other our life stories, and understanding everything the other person was saying. It felt like we were continuing a conversation we'd already been having for years. There was just an ease between us, a deep comfort, and a lot of electricity. It's not every day you meet someone with whom you feel both totally secure and totally stirred up. Eventually, we fell asleep, side by side. The next day, Ashton had to go to rehearsal for SNL, and I had to get back home for a performance Scout was in at school. We continued our conversation digitally. Ashton and I couldn't stop texting. Between every wardrobe change at rehearsal he was texting me and I couldn't resist replying immediately. It was that level of frenzied attentiveness. We were texting back and forth so much it was like that game where you tried to keep a balloon in the air and you don't want to be the one to let it drop. It was a beautiful, clear day, but when I got to the airport that afternoon it was completely shut down. They said a massive storm, level 4, was coming. It was the strangest thing. The sky was sunny, cloudless and blue, But I literally couldn't leave New York City. It felt like the universe was opening up this window for us, demanding that we spend more time together. Of course, I texted Ashton immediately. You're not going to believe this, but my plane's not taking off. Do you want to hang out? That night, he texted me between each sketch while they were taking off his wig and stuffing him into the next one, and he came over as soon as he finished the show. After that, we weren't able to see each other for several weeks but we were on the phone constantly, totally connected, buzzing with infatuation and excitement. It felt great. When I entered the relationship with Ashton, I had a newfound confidence that my perceptions were clear and strong and that I knew myself. This was the gift from that very centering period in Haley, away from the action and distraction of LA. I didn't feel insecure around him. It was the way I'd always wished it could be. Love that felt pure and simple and profound. I knew what I wanted more explicitly than I ever had before in my life, and it seemed like maybe life was presenting me with just that, real intimacy, a soulmate. He was 25, I was 40, but I'm telling you, we were totally in sync from our very first conversation. Keep in mind, when I was 25, I became a mum. I skipped straight from being a young adult into motherhood and marriage. When I met Ashton, it almost felt like a do-over. Like I could just go back in time and experience what it was like to be young with him, much more so than I'd ever been able to experience it when I was actually in my 20s. And it's not like he was some flaky kid. He had a very mature approach to life. He had a bigger picture in his mind. At 25, he was already extremely focused on his future. He was, and still is, the hardest worker I've ever met. That was uplifting and dynamic to be around. A few weeks after that first meeting, Ashton and I finally had a chance to see each other again in Los Angeles. we had spent so much time on the phone talking by then, it was almost overwhelming to see him in person. Just the touch of his hand was electric because there was already so much emotion behind it. We went to In-N-Out Burger, trying to avoid paparazzi and keep things low-key. I knew from day one that if Ashton and I got together, it would be a feeding frenzy. It was just too juicy with our age difference with me having been out of the public eye and Ashton being very much in it at that moment because punked was such a thing. I tried to warn him about what was coming if we became a couple. I told him, you'll be followed, they will be everywhere. That ease of movement you're used to, it will be a thing of the past. But he didn't really take it in. How could he? He later confessed that if he'd fully grasped what it would be like, he might never have gotten involved with me. After dinner that night, He took me to see a piece of land he'd bought just below Mulholland Drive in the mountains above Beverly Hills, where he wanted to build his dream house someday. I loved that he was such an expansive thinker, who seemed to look at life in its entirety, who wasn't just reacting to whatever came his way. It was another perfect night, one that I'll never forget. Maybe because I was older and more self assured than I'd been in previous relationships, or maybe because I'd finally made peace with my body, or maybe just because of the inherent nature of our dynamic but for whatever reason, I felt completely safe with Ashton, which made it possible to connect sexually in a way I'd never experienced before. That sense of security also enabled me to be emotionally vulnerable and open in a new way. I'd completely shut out the memory of that awful experience with Val when I was 15.
1: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
0: I didn't even know to file it under rape in my own mind. Whenever I was in a situation where I felt vulnerable, the 15-year-old me was who showed up. Ashton was the first person I really talked to about that, and it allowed me to start dealing with that trauma, that shame, and to start healing. He had a night off, and he decided to fly back to Idaho with me to see my life there. Hunter and Sherry, who happened to be in LA, were flying out to Haley with me, and as we were driving to the airport, I told Sherry, I have a secret. I'm kind of going out with Ashton Kutcher. Sherry said, I have absolutely no idea who that is. We pulled over to a newsstand, and Hunter jumped out and bought a rolling stone, which had Ashton on the cover. When Sherry looked at it, she said, well, he's certainly hot enough and I certainly agreed. Ashton was very shy when we all met up at the airport and got on the jet that Bruce and I still shared. In fact, he was so nervous he barely spoke a word during the entire flight. I was reminded of the first time I went on a private plane with Bruce early in our relationship and how thrilling and strange that had been. When we landed in Haley, we went to go and pick up our girls. Scout and Cherie's daughter, Sarah Jane, were just getting back from a school trip to a wilderness survival course. Ashton turned to me in the car and said, I want you to know, I don't take coming into a kid's life lightly. I know it's not something you can just come in and out of. When the girls got off the bus and saw us, they all started whispering. Is that Ashton Kutcher? He clicked with Scout and Tallulah right away. Ashton had a wonderful stepfather who meant a lot to him, so I think he innately understood the impact that men could have on the lives of children who weren't biologically theirs. And he liked that I was a mum. I think the possibility of being someone important to my kids was a part of the relationship that appealed to him. That might sound like an odd thing for a 25-year-old, but again, he wasn't your average young guy. On the one hand, he was naughty and scampish, but on the other, there was a responsible, sincere and centred quality to him. He had a very strong sense of the role that a good man should play in the life of a family, and he wanted to be part of our gang. The next day, our plane had to return to LA to get Bruce, and Ashton went with it to get back to his job. I wanted Bruce to know, in case they crossed paths. I told him, I have a friend who'll be getting off the plane, Ashton Kutcher. Bruce's reaction was, you are such a good mum. He assumed I'd brought Ashton as a special treat for the girls, the way we'd once arranged for Aaron Carter to come to Disney World for Scout's birthday. As it turned out, Ashton and Bruce got along really well. We hung out regularly, playing cards, having dinner, just chilling out. It was lovely. A funny aside, Ashton first moved to L.A. with January Jones, the actress who played Betty Draper on Mad Men. They were engaged and they were both just starting out at the time, modelling, taking small parts. As a 23-year-old, January had a tiny role in the movie Bandits, which Bruce starred in when he was 46. Ashton was convinced they'd had a fling on set. Years later, I happened to sit next to January at an event and I mentioned this. Are you serious, she said, laughing. I told him a hundred times, I didn't want to fuck that old man. Ashton and I kept our relationship quiet for a little while, but then it just got silly. We were in love, and we wanted to be in each other's lives for everything, big and small. In June 2003, we made our first public appearance together at the premiere of Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. In a fantastic Missoni mini-dress, I took on the red carpet, with Ashton on one arm and Bruce on the other, preemptively neutralising any narrative of conflict between Bruce and Ashton the press might try to drum up. It worked. It was a damn good night. But... The response to our relationship was every bit as frenzied as I'd anticipated, maybe even more so. We were in the tabloids constantly. We couldn't leave the house without being photographed. My agent said that my relationship was hurting me. All the focus on me being with a younger man meant that people weren't taking me seriously. I didn't care. I'd never been so happy in my life. I bought a beautiful house not far from that piece of land where he wanted to build his dream house up in the mountains above Beverly Hills. It was like a peaceful zen treehouse, high above the noise and traffic of the city. You could watch the sunset pink over the mountains when you sat out back by the pool, and you could see the trees everywhere you looked, through the glass walls. It was going to be our oasis. Ashton and I didn't want to be apart for a minute. When my house was being renovated, he invited my girls and me to stay with him. It just seemed foolish to go rent something separate when we wanted to be together all the time, and the girls loved Ashton. Rumour wanted to come back to LA. She missed her family, and boarding school hadn't been all it was cracked up to be. Ashton's house was one of his first big purchases, high above Beverly Hills, complete with tennis courts and a pool. It was a pretty remarkable place for a 25-year-old to have earned. Ashton had a very different relationship with success than Bruce had. He didn't spend wildly. He was careful and methodical, and his investments always reflected that, including his first home. Though, prior to our arrival, it had been a straight-up LA party house. You can read about it in Rolling Stone. George Bush was president at the time, and somehow his twin daughters ended up doing bong hits at that house at one of Ashton's parties. He was sure the Secret Service was listening in on his calls from then on. About a year and a half into our relationship, Ashton hosted SNL for a second time, and we decided to address all the chatter about our age difference head-on, and in the funniest way possible. Unlike the time I'd hosted alone, this time I enjoyed every minute. During his opening monologue, Ashton said, Magazines focus on our age difference, and all that I focus on is she is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And she's here tonight. To me, I love you, baby. The camera panned to me in the audience in makeup that made me look about 90, with a white wig and eyebrows, wearing a frowsy purple dress, and holding a pocketbook in my lap like the Queen of England. You're doing great, baby, I croaked in my best old lady voice. You're looking hot. Then Ashton called me up to the stage so we can just enjoy this moment together, and I shuffled out of my seat and leaned over onto the walker that was waiting for me in the aisle. She is still the hottest woman in Hollywood, he announced once I was up on stage, which got a huge laugh, because I looked like I would just hobbled out of a nursing home and I had these massive hanging boobs the SNL people had made for me. I wear this medallion as a symbol of our love, Ashton said, gesturing to his necklace. I followed that up with, And I've got this identification bracelet. It lets the medical technicians know I've got the diabetes. Ashton nodded and said, She's got them bad. Then we made out a little, and my forced teeth came out in his mouth. The whole thing was hilarious. I loved that I was at a point in my life where I didn't care what the tabloid said. I think it's really rare for huge movie stars to be so open and honest about their relationships, particularly with other celebrities, so I loved that Demi Moore did that, and in a way that showed everybody involved in a positive light, even despite the fact that the relationships she talks about haven't lasted until now. What do you guys think of of Demi Moore? I mean, let me know. Uh, Tell me in the comments section or by posting to our social media, which is uh, on Instagram at Almost Famous, the podcast and on Twitter at Pod Almost Famous. Uh, Also, don't forget to check out my other podcast, It's Your Funeral, a lighthearted look into the most important day of my guests' afterlives. Give it a follow on Insta. That's at Pod It's Your Funeral. Thanks for listening. And remember, there'll be a brand new episode of Almost Famous, 15 minutes of fame every weekday. Cheers.